What is up, divers? Welcome in to the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com, which is always popping during the offseason. With that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Welcome in to Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Today, I will be going over something that was so hard for me to put together, and that is my dynasty running back rankings. But first, we got to touch on the playoffs. We got the playoffs coming up right around the corner, just a day or two from the time that you were listening to this. And I want to give you guys my picks. So first off, in the AFC, we have the Buffalo Bills versus the Indianapolis Colts, and I'm taking the Bills. I think the Bills beat them. Then we got the Titans versus the Ravens. That's a close one. That could go either way. But I like the Titans in this one. They have a better ability to pass the ball and have a better passing game. I think that is going to be the difference. So I like the Titans to win there. And then Steelers-Browns. I was initially actually going to go with the Browns. I really like what the Browns have constructed. They have a great run game. Baker has been playing really well this season off of the run game. And Stefanski has done a great job. But unfortunately, the man himself, Stefanski, will not be at the game and a whole bunch of other coaches are going to be missing. So because of that, I think the Steelers are going to beat the Browns. And then we got to move over to the NFC. Let's start it off with my Bucks versus Washington. You know, I don't want to jinx it, but I do think the Bucks are going to beat Washington. The thing that's going to matter the most in that game is the trenches when the Bucks are on offense. The Bucks offensive line versus the Washington D-line because Tom Brady is not a mobile quarterback. So if they're able to pressure him early and often and just... You know, if Chase Young is beating Donovan Smith every other play, it's going to be a rough day for the Bucks. And if they're missing Devin White, if they're missing Shaq Barrett or any of their really top-tier defenders, it's going to be hard for the defense to completely shut down Washington's offense. So it's it's going to come down to that O-line, man. But I think the Bucks are going to pull it out versus Washington. It might be closer than people think, though. Seahawks, Rams. I think Seahawks are going to win. I'm going to take the second best quarterback in the NFL in that matchup versus one of the what I think the worst quarterbacks in the NFL in Jared Goff so I'm going to take the Seahawks there and then we have Saints Bears I think this one's going to be closer than people think too Drew Brees has not been playing great but I do think the Saints are going to beat the Bears so I have moving on in the AFC the Bills the Chiefs obviously on bye the Titans and the Steelers and then in the NFC the Bucks the Packers on bye the Seahawks and the Saints, which will make for some great, super juicy matchups in the NFC especially. And with that said, we can get started with the running back dynasty rankings. But first, guys, we got to get on the same page, right? So just like I did with the quarterbacks, I'm going to give you guys the metrics I'm looking at for determining, you know, or being part of overall talent. And then obviously we have a bunch of other things to consider as well. So I gather this stuff from Player Profiler. Got to give them props. They put together amazing statistics, so many different things you can look at for any year of any player. It's honestly, truly game-changing in fantasy football. So shout out to Player Profiler. With that said, these are the metrics I compiled for my running backs, things that I deem to be very important to assess talent and also assess you know receiving ability, stuff like that. So first is target share, right? That's pretty much what it sounds like. The share of targets in the offense. Yards per route run, also exactly what it sounds like. How many yards do they gain per route that they run? True yards per carry. This is the yards per carry after you remove 
yards from over 15-yard runs because those are considered unreliable outliers, right? So you take away all the big runs, that's your true yards per carry. Then you have your juke rate. This is their definition. Isolates a running back's elusiveness and tackle-breaking power by charting the number of broken, missed, and otherwise avoided tackles. All right, so this is where the overall talent comes into play. The talent as a runner, being able to make people miss, juke them out, break their ankles, and keep going. Yards created per touch, this is the other big one for running that I like to look at. All yards generated above and beyond what was blocked, right? Above and beyond what was blocked. Yards created are accrued after the running back's first evaded tackle. So juke rate and yards created per touch are two of the things I prefer to look at the most for assessing running back talent. And also when you just watch running backs and you know the eye test guys, the guys who are great, when you just watch them, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, all these guys grade out great in these numbers. So it makes me more confident in these numbers as a good metric for whether somebody's good or not. Now, other than talent, what else do we consider? Well, what I like to consider is the situation, the surrounding talent. For running backs, it's very important. What's the O-line look like? What's the quarterback look like? What are the wide receivers like? Because if you got good wide receivers, then the defense can't just worry about stopping the running back. They can't just load the box, right? No stacked boxes against a running back. There's a bunch of good receivers on his offense. Plus, offensive line, obviously, self-explanatory. It's better blocking. You get bigger holes, and it's easier to run. Quarterback, kind of the same effect as receiver. Also, quarterbacks, some quarterbacks tend to throw the ball more to running backs, so you have to consider that as well. So that's the situation. Also, coaching, if they like to run the ball a lot, whatnot. Then you have receiving ability because it keeps them on the field, right? Obviously, you get a lot of points in PPR for receiving ability, but it keeps running backs on the field. So that's the biggest aspect. You know, it basically makes running backs game script proof. Then you have the contract. This is more important for this position than any other position in fantasy football is the running back because running backs on second contracts are super risky. They have a lot of wear and tear and they cost the team a lot of money and often end up being cut candidates like we saw with Todd Gurley. So that's something to look out for as well. And lastly, the defense. If a good defense is behind the running back on the same team, then it allows for the offense to maintain leads, utilize ball control, utilize the clock, run it out, and it gives more opportunity for the running back to receive carries and get points, obviously. So with that said, I got to give you guys the disclaimer because we're about to get into the rankings. Ordering these running backs for Dynasty may be the single hardest thing I have done in fantasy in the last four years that I've been doing analysis and whatnot. All right, so with that said, we are going to get into it. And number one overall, and like I said, this was very difficult. I'm definitely flexible, so we'll talk about it. Um, cause there's a lot of people that I wouldn't be upset if you disagree with the ranking, if you want to move them up one or two or move them down one or two. But I do think the number one running back is Christian McCaffrey. He is 24.6. That's also something we have to keep in mind is age. It kind of goes in line with contract, but age as well. So if we look at his metrics, you're looking at a very small sample size. So I'm just throwing it out the window. All right. I could give you guys his metrics from last year, but they're great. He's great. Everything is great. So really there's, there's no different thinking this year than there was last year on Christian McCaffrey. He's awesome, and hopefully he's just healthy moving forward. So he was um, at the top of most things last year. Like I said, he's still super young, 24.6. He's one of the younger running backs in his class that came out, and he is the only running back I trust will not get cut before his contract finishes, okay? Because most most running backs, in terms of second contracts, most running backs like Ezekiel Elliott, 
there's a chance he doesn't finish out his second contract. That's a big, long contract. There's a chance he doesn't finish it out. Joe Mixon, something could happen. He might not finish out his second contract. Dalvin Cook gets injured all the time. He might not finish out his second contract. There's a bunch of things like that, but for Christian McCaffrey, I am super, super confident in him finishing out his contract. And he is their offense when healthy. His receiving work makes him elite, and he is in a young offense that will only get better. So I love Christian McCaffrey. Saquon Barkley is my number two. He's 23.9. I know it sounds weird to say point when you're talking about ages, but you get the gist. We got to be specific, right? Because we're comparing a lot of people around the same age. Once again, just like Christian McCaffrey, these two guys, the dynasty running backs one and two coming into the year, both got hurt, both missed like 85 or more percent of the season. So once again, small sample size for Saquon in terms of the metrics, just a game or two. It was actually one game versus Pittsburgh's stout defense, so I don't even look at the metrics. Um, But he was great last year, just like Christian McCaffrey. Same type of deal. He's also a very good receiver. He's one of the most talented running backs, if not the most talented running back in the league. And the only worry for me is injury combined with the fact that he's on a bad team that has no answer at quarterback. Sorry for the Daniel Jones truthers, but he is not the dude there. So Saquon is good enough to transcend it. He is. And his age gives him an edge over the older guys. That is why Saquon is two. And here we go. This is when it starts getting a little bit spicy. All right, we got our first rookie, Dynasty RB3. And I was not planning on moving him this high. Trust me, not at all. But this is where he landed. Here are his metrics. We're talking Jonathan Taylor. He's 22 flat. Here are his metrics. 8.3% target share, 30th. 1.57 yards per route run, 8th. So actually, when he's running routes, he's getting targeted. So if they just increase how often he he runs yards, he will be very good as a receiver in fantasy. Obviously, Hines is there, so that hurts him a little bit. But that's not even the biggest part of his game. The biggest part of his game is running. 4.6 true yards per carry for 13th best. 23.9% juke rate is 21st best. And then 1.14 yards created per touch, 38th. So when you're first looking at it, you know, 38th, 21st, that's not great. His true yards per carry is 13th. That's cool. But a lot of that is due to the offensive line. The biggest thing of note for me is how much better Jonathan Taylor was as the season progressed. Now, the schedule was super easy. That's true. But he was getting more touches as the season went on, and he was getting more confident and just running better. Not only was the schedule easier, yeah, but if you actually watch him run the ball in the beginning of the season, you guys might remember me talking about it, his vision was atrocious. As the season went on, his vision was better. He was making better decisions, finding the open holes, not just running into the back of his O-lineman or going into a crowd. So he was running a lot better. That's the biggest thing that I like to see. Plus, he was getting more touches. Now, Another amazing thing is his age, because he's only 22. He's one of the youngest running back rookies that came into this class. Plus, this is super interesting to look at, his division, right? His division is six of his 16 games every single year. Over and over, he's going to play these guys. Let's look at that. His their defenses, right? In his division, he has the Texans. Their defense is atrocious. They don't have a lot of cap space. They don't have a lot of draft picks. Their defense is going to be bad for a while. J.J. Watt is their best player, and he's on the decline. So, boom, that's already, and they gave up, like, second most points to running backs this year. So, Texans already, twice a year, that's a great matchup. Look at the Titans. The Titans were also a amazing defense to play running backs against in fantasy. 
their defense is probably three, four pieces away from being really good against the run. So you got another year or two of a great matchup in Tennessee. And lastly, you have Jacksonville. That doesn't need much explaining. Their defense sucks. So the three teams in his division are three of the worst teams against the run in the entire NFL. You're taking that also into account with his age, with his build, with his spark score, which is like a combination of size and speed, which is out out the roof, just like Saquon's was, like Ezekiel Elliott's was. And that's my comp for him because he is built like and runs like Ezekiel Elliott. Plus, he has the O-line, a really good O-line, just like Ezekiel Elliott did in Dallas. So my comparison for Jonathan Taylor is young Ezekiel Elliott. I think that's his fantasy football track going forward. And remember where Zeke was ranked. He was a top five running back every single year. So I think we're seeing the same thing from Jonathan Taylor. And I trust the Colts to bring in another competent quarterback opposed to Phillip Rivers. So I really just really like the situation. Jonathan Taylor is my RB3. Now let's talk about my RB4, Alvin Kamara, Kamara, 25.5. Here are his metrics. He is the best receiving running back. Um, Actually, Christian McCaffrey gives him his run for his money, but with McCaffrey out this year, he was by far the best receiving running back. 22.3% target share, first in the league. 2.29 yards per route run, first in the league. 4.7 true yards per carry, 12th, so he's still a good runner. 32.2% juke rate, second in the league. A great runner, in fact. 1.1 yards per cre- created per touch, 35th. The only knocks that you can attribute to Alvin Kamara to this superstar, is that Taysom Hill might be the starter next year. Now, you guys know that I am someone who does not believe that Taysom Hill will be the starter next year, but, you know, if you listen to the last podcast, Nate was pretty confident in it, and it's not like I'm saying 100%, oh, Taysom Hill's not the starter. Very plausible. He definitely could be, and if Taysom Hill is the starter, that's really going to hurt Alvin Kamara. That's the only knock, but Taysom Hill would not be the starter for more than one year, and we're talking dynasty. Here were his numbers without Taysom Hill. So with Drew Brees this year, Alvin Kamara averaged 29 points per game. When Taysom Hill was the quarterback, he averaged 14.8. That is half. His points got cut in half with Taysom Hill in at quarterback. That's a problem. Now, you also may be worried about his age because he will be 26 when next season starts, but his carry usage hasn't been super heavy, so I think he's got another three top five running back seasons in him, which is well worth his current value. Now we're going to go to RB5, and that's Dalvin Cook. This is one where I'm like, all right, if you want to move him down farther because of the injury concerns, because of the age, which is similar to Kamara, but he has way more tread on his tires, I understand it. I get you. And honestly, even though Dalvin Cook is my RB5, I would probably, if I was on the board, draft a few of the guys I have behind him in front of him just because I don't like injury risk running backs. But with that said, Dalvin Cook, 25.4. Here are his metrics. 13% target share, 9th. 1.36 yards per route run, 14th. 4.7 true yards per carry for 8th. 29.8% juke rate, that's really good, 6th in the league. And then 1.85 yards created per touch, that's 5th. So his juke rate, his yards created per touch, the running game was 6th and 5th for him, uh, you know, among the best marks, among the best running backs in the league. No surprises there. Now, Cook is from this insane class with CMC and Kamara and Mixon, and his same he has the same age. You know, he's in that bucket with them in the 25-ish range. But Cook has seen way more injury issues, and it's not just in the NFL. Like, if we look at Saquon Barkley, 
man, that's it's not looking great, right? Two of his three years, he's missed most of the year to injury. But Saquon never had that problem in college. Dalvin Cook, on the other hand, was injured consistently in college. That was the reason he dropped into the second round. And then he has been injured consistently in the NFL. So that is a huge thing for me. That's why I'm probably not going to draft him at five. But, you know, assuming health, he is my RB5. And I don't like to project for injury. That's ridiculous because you're never going to be accurate at projecting for injury. Now, when healthy, no denying. He is one of the best. His situation is better now with Justin Jefferson being there because with Diggs gone and it was Thielen who's getting older, it was getting kind of scary. It was going to get to the point where Dalvin Cook is the offense and the defenses are just going to stack the box. But now with Justin Jefferson and Thielen, even when Thielen ages out and gets out of his prime, Justin Jefferson is there. Maybe they bring in another receiver. So the defense can't just focus on Dalvin Cook. Plus, the Vikings defense sucks right now, which means it can only get better. So with Dalvin Cook being able to turn in such a good season when their defense was so bad, which usually is very tough for a running back to do, I like that moving forward. Now, I will continue. Obviously, we're going to go into running back six, but we're going to take a quick break, and I will see you guys on the other side. What's up, divers? Do you enjoy a good workout like me? Do you grind in the gym trying to get built? If so, then you probably know working out is only half the battle with the other half being nutrition. Well, luckily, you can go to BuiltBar.com and get protein bars, 100% daily vitamin packs that mix into your water. I use that all the time. Tastes great. You can get caffeine and protein mixed into one as a pre-workout gel pack. And all of these things help you turn your hard work in the gym into visible results. I use these products myself, and they are great. And I also have a promo code that helps both of us save 10% off with Deep Dive. That's Deep Dive to save 10% off at BuiltBar.com and on any of their products. And my favorite energy protein pack flavor, by the way, if you want to go that route, is the peanut butter honey. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, take a second to pause the podcast right here. That's right. Pause it right here and drop me a rating or review. And if you're feeling super generous, you can choose to support the podcast monthly through the link on the episode page or found in the website podcast section. With that being said, as you know, let's get back to the content. All right, guys, welcome back in. And uh, I have a feeling some of you guys thought that Jonathan Taylor at three was spicy. If you thought that was spicy, hold your horses, because this is going to knock you off your rocker. Right here, my running back six in Dynasty. Moving forward, Antonio freaking Gibson, baby. 22.6. These are his metrics that are only going to improve, to be honest, in terms of the receiving. 8.9% target share, that's 27th. That will improve. 1.52 yards per route run, that's 9th. So when he's running routes, he's getting the ball. So all they got to do is make him run routes more, and he's going to be getting way more receiving numbers for fantasy. 4.5 true yards per carry, 18th. That is awesome if you think of the context, because juke rate and yards created per touch are, in essence, only achieved by the skill of the running back. True yards per carry, even though you're taking out the big runs, is still partly reliant on the offensive line, right? So 4.5 true yards per carry. 
You're taking out his big runs, and he's still averaging 4.5 on the Washington offense with Alex Smith, who cannot push the ball down the field, and defenses can play close to the line of scrimmage, and he's averaging that much. If they get a new quarterback or if they get a receiver, we're going to talk about this later after I finish the stats, but just keep that in mind. If they add any weapons, it's going to be easier for him to run the ball. 28.2% juke rate, that's 8th best. 1.5 yards created per touch. That's 15th best. Not bad for a wide receiver. Not freaking bad for a wide receiver. Antonio Gibson is working with solid numbers here. His target share stands to improve. Like I said, McKissick is just a guy. He's not as efficient as Gibson in any aspect of the offense as a receiver or a runner. His carries got to a great number down the stretch in his rookie year, and that has no reason to slow down. In fact... In fact, I think Gibson can only get better, right? Washington has a horrid offense because of their quarterback play. If they upgrade, like I said, quarterback or wide receiver to take pressure off the run game, Gibson will get more touches because there's going to be longer sustained drives. There's going to be more offensive snaps, which increases the chance he gets more touches. And he'll have more touchdown opportunities if the offense is better. So, You have the offensive takeaways right there. Then you have the defensive takeaways. That defense sets up Washington for plenty of short fields and also helps them not fall behind like crazy, meaning Gibson can get mad carries and he's not going to get game scripted out. With Ron Rivera head coach, it's not unfathomable. It's not unfathomable. Listen, I'm not saying this is what will happen. I'm saying it's not unconceivable, unfathomable that... Antonio Gibson sees a Christian McCaffrey type touches increase and is utilized a similar way. What do I mean? Rookie season, Christian McCaffrey had 230 touches. His second year, he went from 230 touches to 343. I would not be surprised if Gibson sees a 80 touch bump. See, McCaffrey's was 113. Gibson's never going to get to 100 plus receptions, right? So, He's not going to get to that big of a number. But I could see I could see an 80 touch increase, you know? He could get a lot more receptions or a lot more targets. I count targets as touches personally. I know a lot of people only count receptions and uh carries, but I always count like if you guys ever hear me say touches, I'm counting targets. Why? Because a target by itself is more valuable for fantasy points than a carry. So why would a carry count as a touch and a target not count as a touch? And if you're counting a reception as a touch, really, and you're not counting targets, right? If you're counting receptions as touches, receptions are like three times as valuable as a carry because you're averaging almost 10 yards off of a reception, which is double what you average on a carry, plus you're getting points for the reception itself. So that's why I like looking at targets better as touches. I think it makes way more sense. But anyways... I could see Gibson seeing a huge bump. The offense can get better. He has been great. He played wide receiver in college. He had like 30-something carries, which is what everyone was hating on Gibson for when they said they were moving him to running back for fantasy purposes. And some people gave me flack about having him ranked so so high in the offseason because, oh, Gibson only had 30-something carries. Well, he was good, and he has the body type. He's like six foot, I wish I wrote this down, he's like six foot, I don't know, probably, obviously in the 200s, but he has a great body type. You know, he's a, a big, strong, athletic, fast dude, and he w- he should be a running back. So I love Gibson. 
He is my RB6. It's a combination of the fact he will only get better. He was already so good this season, especially once they committed to him. And he's only 22.6 years old. So, obviously. Now, let's look at running back 7. So, obviously, that means Antonio Gibson is my RB2 in this class. Now, let's look at RB7. It's DeAndre Swift. He's 22 years old. 12.8% target share, 10th. 1.69 yards per route run, 6th. 4.3 4.3 true yards per carry, 26th, 11.9% juke rate, 62nd, 1.21 yards created per touch, 34th, yikes, he's a, a good runner, he's better than what his numbers show, so I expect those to go up as a runner, but he's already doing great, he's the best receiving running back in this rookie class, and you know, a 10th best target share among all the running backs in the league, 6th best, 6th best in yards per route run those are great swift to me screams so i had jonathan taylor as the ezekiel elliott comparison right deandre deandre swift to me screams as a possible alvin Kamara clone for fantasy football purposes now he's not as good as alvin Kamara, but for fantasy purposes he can be as good the one difference for me is that so almost as good the one difference for me is that he's not in as good of an offense so his touchdown potential is lower but he's already showing to be a great receiver. And with Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola, all free agents, DeAndre Swift is bound to get targeted even more next year. So if the Lions grab a good offensive coach, DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson could both be insanely great next year. And if Kenny Galladay gets re-signed, I'm not letting that affect my DeAndre Swift dynasty um, ranking because that's only still Hawkinson, Galladay and Swift that's only three targets Swift is going to be a focal point of this offense and he is a very good running back he gets a lot of receiving work and he's young and age is a huge factor in my rankings if you don't want to take age into account as much and you want to move Swift lower you want to move Antonio Gibson lower you want to move I don't think you should move Jonathan Taylor but if you want to move Jonathan Taylor lower maybe behind Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook that's fine I don't blame you like I said super flexible but I like Swift a lot he's my seven Now, let's look at running back 8, Miles Sanders. He's 23.7. He's decent in target share, 12.3%. It's 13th best. Yards per route run is really bad. Uh, It's not as bad as it was, or it's not as good as it was last year. It was much worse this year. So, I'm hoping it was part of the problem just with Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz and just the whole struggles of the Eagles offense as a whole. I'm hoping that's what it was mainly. 4.7 true yards per carry, that's 11th, 24% juke rate, 20th, 1.67 yards created per touch, 10th. Miles Sanders has put together so many good games, so many, but he has yet to put a good season together. So therefore, me ranking him this high is projecting that that changes. I think he will start putting good seasons together, not just good games. He's young. I expect Philly to get their stuff together. And, you know, I almost said something else. Uh, I'm, I expect them to get their stuff together. He can be used as a receiver in the 50-60 reception range and can take a lot of carries. He's a, an explosive athlete. Hopefully that offense is taking steps forward. So I like Miles Sanders a lot. Once again, another young guy, kind of like a mini Saquon Barkley. Now we have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at running back 9. He is 21.8. And let me just do a quick scroll because I believe he's in the running for youngest running back in the league. Um, right now I don't see, oh, there's one person younger than him. All right. So Clyde Edwards-Alaire is the second youngest running back 
in the National Football League. And here are his metrics, 11% target share, 18th best, 1.25 yards per route run, 19th best, 4.3 true yards per carry, 28th, 22.1% juke rate, 26th, 1.4 yards created per touch, 21st. Clyde is one of the youngest running backs in the league, like I said, tied to the best offense, though. That's the best part. He's in the best offense with the best quarterback, with the best offensive mind at coaching, and he has receiving skills and a first-round pedigree, which is something to consider. He will be used much more next year than he was this year. Bell will be gone. Damian Williams has one year left on his deal. Plus, Damian Williams might actually get cut next season because... If they cut him, they save $2.5 million and the cap hit is only like the dead cap hit is like half a million. So if they want to, you know, bring in someone at a different position or whatnot, or they need to re-sign somebody, Damian Williams is an easy cut for them. Clyde got all the work in the clutch moments of the game, which to me foreshadows that he will be their main guy. He's going to be a bigger part of the offense pretty soon, so don't overthink this one. He's a really good running back. The metrics are not where they need to be, but I believe they will get there because, obviously, rookie running backs make mad improvements. Ronald Jones is somebody we'll be talking about later. If you look at his numbers as a rookie, they were really bad, but I knew that Ronald Jones was more talented than that, and I saw the flashes as a Bucks fan watching every single one of his snaps, and I knew it would, or I figured, hoped, and projected that it would come together, and it has. And now he has some of the better metrics in the league. So I expect something similar for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, especially because, I mean, he's so shifty. They they you, they call him the uh, the guy in a telephone booth or whatever. Like he can miss make somebody miss in a telephone booth. That's how shifty he is. We saw it even in his first game. If you guys roll back the clock, right, you know, search your memories for week one, first game of the NFL season versus the Houston Texans, Clyde was looked great and people that drafted Clyde were ecstatic and that's the Clyde I expect to see for multiple games on a consistent basis every season for the next three four years so I like Clyde Edwards Lair a lot he's my RB9 Josh Jacobs is my RB10 he's 22.9 so he's really young he came out of college pretty young and his metrics are 9.5% target share 24th 1.12 yards per route run 25th 3.8 true yards per carry, 56th, garbage, garbage, garbage so far, 27.5% juke rate, 12th, that's good, 1.46 yards created per touch, 18th, that's all right. So why is Josh Jacobs this high? Because he's a good running back, and he's young. The lack of receiving work is really what's holding him back from being higher, right? The Raiders will not, for some reason, despite Josh Jacobs' skill set, they will not give him receiving work, and it's so frustrating, so frustrating. Jacobs should be a three down back that is game script proof, but instead when the Raiders fall behind, he fa- he is phased out. If this changes, he will get ranked higher than RB10. Also, remember age and rookie contract. He still got three years on his rookie contract because he was a first rounder, just like Clyde will have four years because he was the only first rounder in this class, which is another reason I like Clyde a lot going back to him, but Josh Jacobs is my RB10. Lock it in. Now, let's look at RB11. Austin Eckler, 25.7 age, and here are his metrics. Pay attention to the first two. 17.3% target share, fourth best in the league. 1.76 yards per route run, fifth best in the league. 4.53 yards per carry, 17th, 24.1% juke rate, 19th, 1.11 yards created per touch, 41st. So Eckler has a lot of things going for him. Firstly, he has less tread on his tires than most running backs at his age, 
and he has not been a workhorse until just recently. Secondly, he has been freshly paid, and I and he gave the Chargers a friendly deal. So he's probably not going to be a cut candidate due to little cap room. Then we actually have his body of work. So obviously what I was talking about is not his body of work. That's just factors to consider. If you look at his body of work, which includes one of be, being one of the best receiving backs in a high-flying offense with a budding superstar in Justin Herbert, that's great. He's also a good runner. He's the best runner on their team, not just a great receiver. And he is one of Justin Herbert's favorite targets after Keenan Allen. He's the second favorite target of Justin Herbert. And if you have a savvy offensive coach get hired, you know, this is my second best ranked spot for a, a GM or head coach would be the Chargers. And honestly, they might be a better spot and a more attractive spot than the Jaguars. The Jaguars are attractive because you get to actually be the one who drafts your own quarterback. And if you go to the Chargers, technically you're not the one who drafted the quarterback, so he doesn't get credited to you. But, I mean, Justin Herbert has already shown how amazing he is, right? So I think that's an amazing landing spot. They have a great roster, both on the defensive side and offensive side of the ball. They've just been struggling with having good coaching. And so I think that that's, you know, they're they're in the run for best spot available over the Jaguars because the Jaguars have, you know, their shot at Trevor or Fields, whoever the GM wants or coach wants but they have a lot of rebuilding to do. And the Chargers are a quick turnaround. The Jaguars are not. Plus, the Jaguars are in Florida. They're not a super popular team. But anyways, I'm kind of getting sidetracked here. You have a solid three years of top eight-ish numbers from Eckler. So that's why he's my RB11. Because obviously, some of these guys have way more than three years ahead of them that I know they're going to be really good. So that's why he's not higher. But Austin Eckler, like if we're talking redraft, he's probably going to be when I pump out my statistical projections for over 250 players in the offseason he's probably going to be like my running back six or seven on the year going into like going into next year so I love Austin Eckler then we have Joe Mixon at running back 12 he's 24 and a half he has because he was hurt we don't get like the placement of his yards per route run and target share but the numbers were 10.9 percent target share that's all right 1.11 yards per route run that's below average 3.5 true yards per carry that's really bad 66th 20% juke rate 33rd 1.02 yards created per touch 45th first off we need to open a can of context because if you look at those metrics right I'm I'm a numbers guy I love me some numbers I love my numbers but I also am able to pull aside from the numbers, take a step back and see what could have affected the numbers right because I trust my eyes just as much as I trust the numbers. So Joe Mixon is not that bad of a running back. So what happened? Let's open a can of context, right? Mixon last year was fourth best in juke rate and eighth best in yards created. This time he was 33rd and 45th. Well, this year he was hurt a lot. And I think it's clearly evident in his play and performance that he had nagging injuries throughout the season. He's still under 25. He has three years on his new contract and is on a team with cap space and a quarterback on a rookie deal. So it's a very good chance that he just finishes out his contract, maybe even gets a third contract if he, you know, if the wheels haven't fallen off. Mixon will 100%. Okay, let me change that because, like I said earlier, McCaffrey is like my only super confident guy. So Mixon's probably like 90% chance he finishes his contract out with Cincy and will be great while doing it, barring injury or off the field stuff. And I'm not worried about off the field stuff. There was that one incident coming into his, you know, like starting his career, but I don't think we'll have any issues with Mixon moving forward. 
That Bengals offense with Burrow, Boyd, Higgins, Auden Tate, who you guys know I love. And I'll say it again, go buy him if you can in Dynasty. You, you don't have to give up anything, really. And anyone they add in the offseason to hopefully the offensive line, this will be the best offensive offense Mixon has ever been in. And it should help him in the run game. The one thing that may bring Stormy Waters in the beginning for Joe Mixon is if Joe Burrow misses some regular season time. But this is Dynasty, so we can't factor that in too heavily. But there is a chance Burrow misses like the first six weeks. Nick Chubb, 25. He's my RB13. 5.1% target share. Garbage. 1.01 yards per route run. Garbage. But this is where he excels, right? 5.1 true yards per carry. Third best in the league. 37.9% juke rate. First in the league. 3.15 yards created per touch. First in the league. I am going to say that again. Because if you've been hearing... And processing the number numbers I've been saying earlier, most people their juke rate is in the like under twenty five percent. It's twenty to twenty five percent. Nick Chubb is at thirty eight percent. Most people yards created per touch are between one point one and one point seven. Nick Chubb's three point one five. Ridiculous. The dude is ridiculous. He is the best pure runner in the NFL. Now. Why is he not higher then, Brandon? He's young. He's a good runner. Why is he not higher, right? Well, he has Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt re-signed. will be there for two years. This hurts Chubb in receiving upside, which is extremely important for fantasy, and not even just receiving upside, receiving floor. Like, he doesn't even have a receiving floor, right? Only 5.1% of the team's targets went to Nick Chubb. That's pretty bad. And that's accounting, because this is from player player profiler i'm pretty sure that's accounting for the games he missed so this is just in the games he's played that's how bad they how bad he was involved in the receiving game cream hunt is the receiving running back there plus plus not only that but because kareem hunt is the receiving running back it hurts chubb's chance at yardage touchdowns because kareem hunt will steal plenty and sometimes when they're really far behind kareem hunt is the dude that's in instead of nick chubb because he's more versatile so Chubb is like a mini Henry, but he's actually better. He's a better runner. He's also younger. So that's why I have him earlier than Derrick Henry, but basically just because of the age. But yeah, if Kareem Hunt wasn't there, Nick Chubb would probably be like RB7, RB8. But because Kareem Hunt is there, I got I got to put Nick Chubb down. I mean, it, it has to be done. I hate doing it because he's a great running back, but it has to be done. James Robinson is my RB14. So... Why? You know, he's a undrafted free agent. He was great for one season. Brandon, are you worried that he's a one-hit wonder? So, is it possible? Yes. But first, before we get into that, let's talk about the numbers. 11.8% in target share, that's 15th best. 1.35 yards per route run, 15th best. 4.3 true yards per carry, 32nd. But let's think of the context of that team, not surprising. 27.3% juke rate, 13th. 1.46 yards created per touch, 17th. So, I am ranking James Robinson, since he's here at 14, as though he will be the bona fide RB1 in Jacksonville. I believe that will be the case. Because, despite having plenty of draft picks, the Jags have way more pressing needs than running back. And James Robinson is on a rookie deal, has three years left, and he is super cheap. He is dirt cheap. Dirt cheap. Because he is an undrafted free agent. Oh, wait. 
Hold up, hold up, hold up. He's an undrafted free agent, so actually I don't know if he has a four-year deal. I'm going to pause it real quick, and I'll get right back on that because that's actually really important. All right. Obviously unpaused. I found it. So James Robinson is actually on a three-year deal, not a four-year deal like most rookies, but really that doesn't change much because they're getting two more years of less than a million-dollar player with James Robinson. So yes, I'm 100% continuing to have James Robinson here at RB14. Also, um, I've been saying the tread on the tire statement a lot, but I think I might've been saying it backwards. I, you guys know what I meant every time I said it, but I feel like a couple times that I've said more tread on his tires, I meant less. And when I've said less, I mean more. Obviously more tread on your tires means that you haven't been used that much in the league. So you have like a higher ability to take on carries and take on a big workload because you know you haven't been worn down which would be less tread on your tires so I think I've been saying it backwards but you know what I've been saying you could tell context wise what I meant but anyways James James Robinson right he's not getting replaced he's super cheap and he is a volume centered power runner in an offense that will get better with their first overall quarterback whether it's Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields both are upgrades and they possibly will add some O-linemen or a tight end I'm looking at you Kyle Pitts Boy, that would be a dream landing spot. Or they might add another wide receiver. Hopefully not, because you know we're Team LaVisca over here. But James Robinson, which by the way, speaking of LaVisca, I have a Dynasty Showdown YouTube video up debating Chase Claypool versus LaVisca Chenault. Um, So go check that out if you haven't already. Subscribe for your boy. Helps me out. I literally just started the YouTube. There's one video on there from like a year and a half ago, but I haven't been active on the YouTube at all. Uh, I just uploaded one video and then never touched it, but I'm back on and uh, I'm going to make it a, a regular thing. I'm trying to release like one or two videos a week that are between five, 10 minutes. So, uh, you know, that Claypool, LaVisca one's only nine minutes. So go check it out. But anyways, to continue on with James Robinson, he should have a better shot at touchdowns next year when this offense gets better. He's probably going to have higher yards per touch, different than yards created per touch. I'm just saying higher yards per touches and he's going to be more efficient because it's going to be harder to defend James Robinson when you have Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields with their running ability, first off. Not that they run like crazy, but they have the running ability. Plus, they're going to be way better, so DJ Chark and LaVisca Chanel are going to be way more of a threat with a better quarterback, which is going to make it easier for James Robinson to run, and he'll be more open in the receiving game when they decide to toss him out into the receiving game. So, the possibility does exist that Robinson gets replaced. Yes, but I think it would be two years down the line when, you know, his contract is up and he needs re-signing, not anytime soon. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, unless ETN, and not even Najee Harris, it has to be ETN, unless ETN because of his speed, which is something James Robinson does not have and you can't teach, right? Unless ETN falls all the way down to like the middle of the second, which I don't expect, then maybe, maybe they would take him. But I still think that would be the wrong move because they have holes in plenty of places. James Robinson has been great. Reward the guy. And I think that's what they're going to do. I'm confident in it. So James Robinson is my RB14. Right above RB15, obviously, who is Derrick Henry? Now, this is probably a head-scratcher to you guys. Derrick Henry is has been one of the best runners in the league for the last three, four years. If not the best, I would say Nick Chubb is better. But you can obviously make the argument for Derrick Henry, and I'm not going to like say you're wrong because he's been amazing as well. Derrick Henry, though, is 27 years old. 
27 years old and think about the tread. I'm going to use it correctly this time. Think about how much tread is left on the tires of a 27-year-old running back who has been getting 300 touches every single season other than his rookie season with DeMarco Murray and got the ball an insane amount in college as well. Derrick Henry has probably very little tread on his tires. So, at 27 years old, how much do you think he's going to keep this up? I mean, when did Marshawn decline? He was like 30, right? So, Derrick Henry, you think he's going to make it to Marshawn? Maybe. Maybe, but Marshawn is a freak. Derrick Henry's a freak. Yes, he's a freak. Like Brandon Jacobs' freak, where he's huge and strong and fast. But Brandon Jacobs didn't last forever either. So I'm pretty worried about Derrick Henry. It's getting to that point where, look, if you are in a win-now mode in Dynasty, this is the person you should be drafting because the dude is a problem. And, you know, despite his lack of receiving, he's great because of he's a tank. He doesn't get injured. He racks up rushing stats like a comedian racks up laughs. So he is a beast. But I just caution you. If you're in a dynasty startup and you're trying to build for the future and you're drafting young guys and your team's not going to compete right away, don't waste a pick on Derrick Henry because by the time your team is ready to compete, he won't be. So just keep that in mind. Aaron Jones, running back 16, 26.1 in age. So he's pretty up there too. I was actually surprised that I was going to be younger. 14.5% target share, sixth. Oh, also, I didn't talk about Derrick Henry's metrics. Um, he was 4.9 true yards per carry, fourth. 28.2% juke rate, eighth, 2.51 yards created per touch, second. So remember, Nick Chubb was 3.15. He was first. Henry was a full 0.6 yards created per touch less, and he was second best. Now, Aaron Jones, there's no point in talking about Henry's receiving. We know he doesn't get much. Aaron Jones, 14.5% target share, sixth. 1.43 yards per route run, 11th. 4.9 true yards per carry, fifth. 22.3% juke rate, 25th, 1.43 yards created per touch, 19th. Aaron Jones is older than most of the guys we've talked about. He's also a free agent this year, and with his future set as an unknown and his age, this is what brings Aaron Jones down this low, which is no knock. I mean, he's great, and if he stays in Green Bay, that's probably the best thing for him. If he lands somewhere else, I may have to bump him down. If Aaron Jones lands in, I did not even plan on saying this, but let's see, I'm trying to think. Because like I told you guys, my, my show notes are kind of just like outlines, bullet points, and I, I kind of just take it from there. Um, if Aaron Jones lands, I'm trying to think who might need a running back. In Pittsburgh, they're not going to be able to sign Aaron Jones because of the money problem. But if he landed in a, a place like Pittsburgh, obviously he would be amazing. But if he lands in, let's say, um, honestly, I can't even think of that many people that need running back. I mean, Miami's set. I don't think Miami would spend money for Aaron Jones. Maybe the 49ers or Atlanta, those are pretty decent landing spots. I don't know. We'll just have to see. We'll have to see what happens with Aaron Jones, but hopefully he stays in Green Bay. That's definitely the best situation. J.K. Dobbins is my RB17. He's 22.1. So why is his age not pushing him up the board when it's pushed up everyone else up the board? Well, because it's not his age. That's the problem. The problem is his situation, right? But first, let's go through his, his stats. 6.4% target share. That's part of the problem, right? He's getting Nick Chubb level receiving work, which is non-existent. 0.63 yards per route run. Even when he's running routes, he's not getting yards from them. You know, he's running routes and he's not getting the targets like we just talked about. 6.4% target share. So this is part of the reason he's so low. Now, Brandon, you have Derrick Henry. 
You have Nick Chubb. These guys don't get receiving work, and they're so good for fantasy. So what's your problem with J.K.? Well, J.K. Dobbins is not getting nearly as many touches, as many carries as Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry, who get 20-plus a game. So let's look at his running stats, right? 5.4 true yards per carry. Best in the league. Best in the league. 30.9% juke rate. Fifth best in the league. 2.18 yards created per touch. Third best in the league. Everything is like J.K. Dobbins is a baller. That's not the problem. The problem is that the Ravens do not utilize their running backs in the receiving game. That's not going to change, especially, especially because quarterback ultimately is the biggest common denominator whether a running back is getting targets or not. It's not even the offensive scheme. It's usually if the quarterback is somebody who likes to throw to the running backs, like Deshaun Watson is one who doesn't. Guess who else doesn't? Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is not the not a fan of checkdowns. He would rather run the ball. If Lamar Jackson is looking down the field and nobody's open, he's not checking the ball down to a running back five yards in front of him. He's just going to run it himself. He's not Tom Brady. He's not immobile. He's not Jared Goff immobile. He's not a quarterback that stands in the pocket and says, all right, all right, that guy covered, that guy covered, that guy covered, all right, my running back's open in the flat. Let me dump it down to him. No, he's like, I'm just as athletic as my running back, and the ball's already in my hand. Why risk a drop or an incompletion? I'm just going to run it myself. So that kills Dobbins. That kills Dobbins. Plus, him running brings us to our second problem. Lamar Jackson limits how many carries the Ravens can give to J.K. Dobbins. This is talking about a world in which... The Ravens don't even have another guy with J.K. Dobbins. It's very possible that Gus Edwards gets re-signed. It's very possible that Justice Hill ends up getting a lot of touches to share with J.K. Dobbins. I'm not talking about taking a bunch. I'm talking about taking seven or eight away from J.K. Dobbins. So, you have Lamar Jackson running and poaching rushing touchdowns at the goal line from J.K. Dobbins. When you get to the goal line with a Nick Chubb, a running back who doesn't have receiving work and is a great runner like J.K. Dobbins, or a Derrick Henry, another running back who is a great runner and doesn't have receiving work like J.K. Dobbins, those guys are in the red zone and you're like, let's go. My guy Nick Chubb is getting the ball. Let's go. Derrick Henry is getting the ball and we're getting touchdown points right here. J.K. Dobbins, they're in the red zone. Is J.K. Dobbins getting the ball or is Lamar Jackson getting the ball? You don't know. We don't know. They don't know. Nobody knows. The defense doesn't know. So that's the second problem is that he really hurts the running opportunity for one of the best runners in the league in J.K. Dobbins. So, and I I truly believe that. He is the best runner of this rookie class. DeAndre Swift is the best receiver of the rookie class. Dobbins is the best runner of the rookie class. Gibson is probably the best combination I would say, of runner and receiver because he was a receiver in college and he was pretty good at it. Um, but J.K. Dobbins, that's that's the problem there. And, you know, if he was in a different situation, then all right. But he's not going to be in a different situation. He's a second-round rookie on a rookie contract with three years left. He's not going anywhere. So he's going to be stuck in that situation. And Lamar Jackson is probably going to be there for the long haul. So, and I don't even know if that's the best decision for the Ravens. Um, but... We'll see. We'll see what happens. But I I don't like J.K. Dobbins for fantasy. I never have. Cam Akers, 21.6 years old. This is the youngest running back in the league. Remember I said Clyde Clyde was second and there was one person that had him edged out? That's Cam Akers. Which I was kind of surprised because, man, Cam Akers looks like a freaking man. But if you look at his metrics, 
not used at all in the receiving game. Then 3.9 true yards per carry, 54th, yikes. 17.3% juke rate, 44th, yikes. 1.43 yards created per touch, 20th, yikes. A few big obstacles are currently preventing Cam Akers from being Todd Gurley. One is his lack of receiving work. Todd Gurley was getting a lot of receiving work when he was that stud for fantasy. Two, the Rams' offense is nowhere near the well-oiled top-five offensive machine they were when Todd Gurley was there. This makes Akers literally a work, or likely, sorry, Cam Akers is likely a workhorse, right, next year. He probably is, because that's what we saw at the end of this season. Yes, but he's going to be a workhorse in an unreliable offense that does not give him many touchdown opportunities, at least not as much as Todd Gurley was getting, and doesn't throw him the ball. So, all of that said, Akers is the youngest running back in the league, has plenty of talent, so I still like him for fantasy purposes. I do. But that's why he's at 18th. You know, because also, guys, like I said, I'm flexible. I'm flexible. These running back. if you want to put Cam Akers above J.K. Dobbins, go ahead. If you want to put Cam Akers over Aaron Jones and Derrick Henry because he's way younger, go ahead. You know, I'm fine with it. There's so many talented running backs. I think... At this point, since I've been watching football, which my first year, like truly watching and truly understanding football, was 2012. Um, which I mean, let me think of how old I am right now. By the way, if you guys don't don't know how old I am, I'm super young. I'm only 22. Um, but let's see, 2012. What was that? Nine years ago. So dang, I was 13. So yeah, yeah, I was like 13 when I really understood the game and really started watching the game. Not understood like to a crazy level, but you know what I mean. Um, so since 2012, this is where I was going with it. In case you're wondering, since 2012, when I've been watching, I don't think there have ever been as many good running backs in the league as there is right now. And that's part of the problem in ranking all these guys. Cause there's so many good ones. Um, so that's why Cam Akers is my RB 18 and moving on. We finally get, you've probably thought I forgot about him or something. We finally get to Ezekiel Elliott at running back 19, 25 and a half, not even that old, but you know what is old? The tires. The tires are old and the tires need to be replaced. And we're going to talk about how I know this. So 12.5% target share, that's 11th. That's nice. 0.93 yards per route run, 30th. 3.9 true yards per carry, 53rd. 23.3% juke rate. This is what you need to pay attention to. 23.3% juke rate, 23rd. 1.12 yards created per touch, 40th. Ezekiel Elliott was dominant because he was one of the best runners in the league. I don't know if that's the case anymore. He's 23rd best in juke rate and 40th best in yards created per touch. So clearly, and if you watch him, the eye test tells you the same thing. It's clear. Ezekiel Elliott has lost a step. He will continue to do so. Will he still be good? Yes. He is not, however, the monster running back he once was. Juke rate and yards created are stats that have nothing to do with the surrounding talent. So it shows Zeke isn't the same, or at least he wasn't this year, but I think this is what it's going to be like moving forward. Now, he also has an expensive contract. He may be a player that gets cut at some point to save money. And in case you still don't believe me about Ezekiel Elliott losing a step, Tony Pollard on the exact same team has a higher juke rate, a higher yards created, and a higher true yards per carry. Every single running metric that I use to grade a running back as a runner, Tony Pollard is higher than Ezekiel Elliott in. So I think the case is wide open and you can see all the details. Ezekiel Elliott, guys, he's not the same guy anymore. And the contract is really what kills it because if 
Dallas really starts to realize that, and they are one of the teams. They haven't paid Dak for a reason, guys. They don't have money. They don't have money, and they have never been good with money. Jerry Jones has never been good at setting up contracts. He pushes off the money as far as he can, and right now it's biting them in the butt. I don't know if they are this year, but just last year, Tony Romo's been in the talking booth for two years, two, two, three years. They were still paying Tony Romo money last year because that's how they push off their money in their contracts. It's all biting them in the butt now. It all caught up to them, and they have no money to pay Dak Prescott. And if they're going to pay Dak Prescott, they're going to have to cut some people. Ezekiel Elliott may be one of them. And if not, right away for Dak being able to sign Dak, once they need to re-sign somebody else, like a key defender that they may have, or CeeDee Lamb, or something, Ezekiel Elliott might be the guy who gets cut. So that's another thing that we have to worry about. And that's why Ezekiel Elliott is all the way down at running back 19 for me. Now let's talk about running back 20. David Montgomery, 23.6. Once again, I'm flexible. If you want to put Monty over Elliott, go for it. But I know Elliott will at least give us good production next year. David Montgomery had a 12% target share, 14th. That's going down because Tariq Cohen will be back. 1.17 yards per route run, 24th. 4.0, 4 flat, true yards per carry, 47th. 20.3% juke rate, 31st. 1.49 yards created per touch, 16th. I've seen a lot of David Montgomery hype that he might be a top 12 RB1 for Dynasty. No, no. This is coming from the guy who told everyone, I told all you guys to buy David Montgomery around week nine this season, right before he started going nuts. His crazy finish to the season was bust with horrible defenses, specifically against the run. His receiving will also go down. Tariq Cohen is coming back. Tariq Cohen just signed a new contract this season, and he is a way better receiver than David Montgomery. Lastly, the offense is not in a good place. The quarterback sucks, and there is no sign of hope for improvement. And Allen Robinson is likely leaving in free agency. If that offense rolls out, Darnell Mooney, who we like, we like him here, Anthony Miller, Tariq Cohen, and David Montgomery with a trash quarterback, Are you kidding me? That offense is not going anywhere. Allen Robinson, if they lose him, that is such a big deal. Their offense is already so bad. And if Allen Robinson is gone, oh boy. Oh boy. That's not going to be good. Trust me, that is not going to be good. Now, I will say, because I said there's no hope for improvement at quarterback right now. Because they're not picking high enough. I mean, they're in the playoffs. They're not picking high enough to be able to get a quarterback, right? They're probably not going to get one of these guys in in trades, right? They're not going to be making a move for a staffer. They're not going to be making a move for Matt Ryan or anything like that. But, but there is one person they might make and make might make goodness gracious a move for. And I just recently got the alerts about this, and that's Deshaun Watson, because apparently he is requesting a trade. Now this is a long shot, a super long shot, but if Chicago was able to pull together enough ammo in terms of draft picks and probably some players too because they don't have a crazy amount of draft picks to get Deshaun Watson all right now we're talking now we're talking I'm moving David Montgomery up but in an offense right now that's not going to see the end zone often that is going to take away his receiving work because Tariq Cohen is going to be back David Montgomery is not somebody that I want to invest in as a top 12 running back that's ridiculous I mean what all the names that we've talked about, 
Who are you taking David Montgomery over? Are you going to take him over J.K. Dobbins? Are you going to take him over Aaron Jones, over Derrick Henry, James Robinson, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon? Because all of those guys are not in the top 12 for me, except for Mixon, who's at 12. You're going to take him over all those guys? Come on. That's ridiculous. David Montgomery, RB20. Moving forward to RB21, Ronald Jones, 23.4. Age and metrics, 8% target share, 31st. He's not getting many targets. 1.02 yards per route run, 28th. 4.7 true yards per carry, 9th best. 20.5% juke rate, 30th. 1.7 yards per cre- created per touch, 8th best. So I think the Rojo sucks camp can finally settle down. Ronald Jones will be a great option at running back next year, but then, because next year is his fourth year and he was not a first rounder. He doesn't have a fifth year option. Next year is his fourth year. Then he's a free agent. Will he stay in Tampa? Only if he signs a cheap contract. I know my team and we're not going to be signing a running back to a lot of money. We got way too many people to re-sign. Levante David's a free agent next year. Shaq Barrett is a free or this year. Shaq Barrett is a free agent this year. Chris Godwin is a free agent this year. We don't have money to be paying a running back, especially if we lock these guys up. So if he stays in Tampa, I'm moving him up. If he stayed in Tampa and signed a cheap deal to stay with the team for another two years or whatever, then I'm moving up Ronald Jones. But that's not the case. And I'm not sure if Ronald Jones off one good season with us and hopefully a good season next year. So off two good seasons, I don't know if he will be, because like we said, there's a lot of great running backs in the league right now. I don't know if he will be good enough on the free agent market for a team to overlook drafting a rookie who's going to be way cheaper and then choose him over whoever else may be a free agent and make him their RB1. So that's why he's this low. Because he is really young, and he is talented. But that's why I have him this low. So will someone pay him the big money to come and be their guy? Maybe. But those questions, along with his lack of receiving skills, land him down at 21. Miles Gaskin at 22, 23.9. 13.4% target share, 8th best. Nice. 2.08 yards per route run, 3rd best. Nice. 4.0 tree yards per carry, 49th. 27.3% juke rate, 13th and 1.22 yards created per touch, 31st. Gaskin was a pleasant surprise that came out of nowhere. This former Washington Washington Huskies player looked great all season, along with his former college teammate, Salvin Ahmed. They might, those two together, they might lock up that running back room. Miami has some picks, yes, but I think their lack of wide receiver separators is a much bigger problem than replacing two good young, cheap running backs. Once again, same thing as James Robinson, right? There's Why would you replace these guys? Both of them, Ahmed is a rookie, and Gaskin is just finished his second year. You've got both of these guys who both look great on cheap, cheap deals. Use your cast base, use your draft picks to build out the rest of your team, and all of a sudden, you're a Super Bowl contender. Well, I don't know about that. That's a reach. It depends on how many uh, steps Tua takes forward. That didn't make any sense. How many steps forward Tua takes? Yes, that makes more sense. You guys know what I'm saying. But, yeah, that's why Gaskin's this low. Um, Just because, er, sorry, I'm all over the place. Uh, (laughs) Gaskin is uh, is not this low because of that. That's what I meant to say. Gaskin is this low just because of the fact that maybe Salvin Ahmed takes away some carries. Maybe they do draft someone. 
I don't think they will, but also there's so many good running backs above Gaskin, and Gaskin doesn't have the profile. He doesn't have the college tape. He doesn't have any of these things that make me super confident that what he's doing is going to continue. Excuse all of the mistakes I made in the last two minutes. I can I don't know if you guys can hear them, but my family is like going off right now downstairs. Um, so it's just hard for me to keep my train of thought. Now, we got two running backs left. Kareem Hunt, 25.4, 10.9% target share, 1.24 yards per route run. That's 19th and 21st. 4.1 true yards per carry, 39th, 31.4. Listen to these two. 31.4% juke rate, fourth best in the league. 1.71 yards created per touch, sixth best in the league. The Browns have Nick Chubb, who was first and first and third in the three running categories. And they have Kareem Hunt, who's fourth and sixth in two of those. They have some of the best running backs in the league, and they're both on the same team. They by far, hands down, have the best one-two punch. Kareem Hunt is one of the best guys in the league. He's clearly evident in his metrics, but he's splitting with Nick Chubb, and he's the number two guy there. The reason I have him way lower than Chubb, despite there being only a four-point-per-game difference in their output this year, is that his future is more in question than Nick Chubb. And Nick uh, Kareem Hunt's future has more room for change and volatility, in my opinion, than Nick Chubb's. Because, yes, he has two more years in Cleveland. But Chubb, I don't think, is going to leave Cleveland. I'm sure they're going to sign Chubb to a second contract. And that means Kareem Hunt, once his, his two-year contract is over, we, who knows what's going to happen. And that, at that point, he's going to be almost 20, he'll be 28 going into that season. So that's why I have Kareem Hunt this low. And lastly, to finish us off, at running back 24, because we're doing the top 24 RB1s and RB2s, Chris Carson, 26.3. Here, his metrics, 11.5% target share, 16th. 1.5 yards per route run, 10th. 4.7 true yards per carry, 10th. 22.5% juke rate, 24th, and 1.03 yards created per touch, 43rd. Chris Carson is a free agent. Huh. Chris Carson is a free agent, but I think Seattle's going to resign him. And if so, it's likely a shorter contract. He's going to be going, he's going to be close to 27. He won't be, but he'll be close to 27 um, going into the season. So they're probably not going to sign him to a three year or four year deal, maybe three. Um, if it's cheap, but he will definitely be in Seattle in the next year, I th- I think, because Penny has not been healthy. So despite him being a first-round running back, I don't think they're going to roll forward with, with Rashad Penny. So I think Chris Carson is going to be the guy there next year, and he's going to be kind of like De- uh, Derrick Henry. He's going to be the guy if you're building out a team, and you're like, holy smokes, this team can win this year. This team might win this year or next year, then Chris Carson, then you then you draft him. That's when you draft Chris Carson. He will be the ultimate late round value in dynasty leagues for the person who has built their team to win immediately. That's what you're doing with Chris Carson is you're trying to win right now. Otherwise, don't even waste a pick. So with that said, guys, that's the top top 24 running backs. We made it. It was a long podcast. I know it was. I'm trying to give you guys, you know, some nice specific content with some good uh overview of the whole situation but not taking too long so i hope you guys enjoyed it um always feel free to send me questions i'm always looking to put some questions on the podcast guys so please do so if you ever want to and with that said i'm going to go through the top 24 running backs one more time just in order christian mccaffrey saquon barkley jonathan taylor alvin Kamara, dalvin cook antonio gibson 
DeAndre Swift, Miles Sanders, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, RB10, Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, James Robinson, Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, Ezekiel Elliott, running back 20, David Montgomery, Ronald Jones, Miles Gaskin, Kareem Hunt, and to finish it off at 24, Chris Carson. Guys, thank you for listening to the podcast. Thanks for all the support. I hope that your playoff team, if you have a team in the playoffs, I hope they win. And um, also, by the way, I know there's some fantasy playoff like challenges where you draft players who, and you get like double the points if they move on and they're still alive the next week and stuff like that. If you have any questions on that stuff, I'm not doing it personally, just because I want to be able to watch the playoffs without having fantasy uh, infiltrate my enjoyment of watching the playoffs. Um, so I'm not going to do it, but I would love to give advice on anyone who needs help. So, uh, you know, go ahead and uh, send me questions. By the way, if you are doing that, Stefan Diggs would be my 101 because I was thinking Travis Kelsey, but the Chiefs aren't playing this week, so he wouldn't help you. And I was thinking um, Devontae Adams, but the Packers aren't playing this week, so he wouldn't help you this week either. Obviously, you have to win this week to even be able to use any Chiefs or Packers. Therefore, Stephon Diggs would be my 101. The second option to me would be Alvin Kamara, but I think there's a small outside shot that the Bears win this game. Therefore, Diggs is my guy. Um, And I think the Bills will make it all the way to play the Chiefs in the in the AFC Championship. With that said, thanks for tuning in. Hope you guys have a good one. Peace.